Geek Shock. Geek Shock. The lamp dances so much better when the stripper is crying. Yes, the lamp dances so much better when the stripper is crying. Book the Torturer by Gene Wolf. One of my favorites. He's a very, very is, good is it writer. Gene Wolf or Gene Wolf? Gene Wolf. Are, are we going back on C- that whole CK? Here's the G problem we're running into. Is this a Jesus thing? Yeah. Here's okay. the problem we're running into with what you're doing right now. What? It's just reinforcing his mispronouncing of Kevin Fige. I thought it was Fige. It's Fige. It's Fige. <laughs> Fige. Everyone knows it. I was I was making a statement, not an actual pronunciation of uh, his real yeah. name. I'll have you know, I got a call from Kevin Fige this week. He said, "Yeah, you're doing it right." Did he? Yes. So there, he, I got it f- confirmed from the man himself. Did he send you a gif? <laughs> In- you know, it's a federal offense to lie to the FBI, right? <laughs> Nobody from the FBI. <laughs> is no, it's not. I, you know, you're right. The NSA is listening. How did I supposed to know that? Is it a federal offense to lie to the FBI? Yes. Actually, Only if it's a material lie. Yeah, it's because uh, we're living in a material lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fine. Giuliani is my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> the famous last words. Giuliani. Giuliani is God my lawyer. <laughs> Goony goo goo. Goony juju. Well, that would be perfect. I don't even know what episode this is. <laughs> Uh, well, I could find out for you. It's episode 468. Welcome, Geek Shock. I am Master Torgo. Well, welcome, Geek Shock. Yes, you are Geek Shock, and I am your host. 80s Jeff. <laughs> Confused sandwich guy. Fact check, Dandy. And we're here to talk Week in Geek. Oh, and we don't have uh, Matt. Apparently, it's uh, Canadian Christmas. Yes, yep. we didn't okay. s- We didn't skip him this time. He actually decided not to show up. No, he's no, still, he's, he's, he's got still... Canadian Christmas to do. He's got, no, he's... He's, got a, he's got to roast the maple nuts or whatever the hell it is. And... <laughs> he's still kind of pissed. <laughs> he's still kind of pissed laugh, off about Todd. You're just whole... encouraging him. <laughs> the whole thing. I like <laughs> roasting the maple nuts. That's mm. I, I applaud. Roasting the maple nuts? Mm. Maple <laughs> nuts he's over de- a roasting fire. The decorate the Mountie. <laughs> The reindeer come automatic. That's just that's just, that's just hundred percent across the world is reindeer. So that's that's everything, except in Ottawa where it's a moose. Yes, yes. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Uh, I went to see the uh, alien uh, jerky place. I'm on my way back from California. I finally stopped to see the alien jerky place, which I haven't done in years. Yeah, in you know, Baker, it, California. Stephen Miller's immigration policies are already barbaric <laughs> enough, but this latest thing, and you went there, Andy, alien and that's jerky. just sick. That's just, that's wrong. Yeah. So uh, you, you know they're building a hotel out there. No. Yes. What, who's ba- building a hotel? The guy that owns the jerky place. Yeah. He's building an alien hotel. Get the, yep. shut the front door. Yep. The what? They had barely started construction when I was there in uh, in May, yep. in, in uh, late April, early May. Are you telling me there's going to be actually a reason to stay in Baker, California? Absolutely. <laughs> actually, no. I mean, you, there'll be nothing to do when you're there, but you can stay there. Right. Well, you can eat alien, alien jerky. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and buy alien tchotchkes. I think it's 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 a, a part it's part. Um, utilitarian because there are a lot of people that get to Baker and they're exhausted driving and then they just park in the various 
parking lots for the convenience stores, et cetera, and just take a nap there. So, God damn, I hate you, the utilitarians. It, you know, <laughs> hey, and hey, fucking you, Ayn you, Rand. You, you and, leave us you know, utilitarians she alone. Just, she just inspired the worst kind of people. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're an artistic utilitarian there, yeah, Andy. Yeah. Now they're not building a hotel. They're they're building the equivalent of a Tonopah <laughs> clown motel, right? <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen the plans for it, I but think, I know that... Oh, so it's not a hotel? No. No. It's motel. <laughs> well, actually, in. could be. Being a baker probably is. <laughs> but I was at a uh, event for work uh, for the magazine, okay. and I was talking to a guy who works with Gist, which is a company... Or Gist, no, which Gist. Yeah, okay. Uh, that makes a bunch of the uh, um, big props, like the uh, Bellagio, the... the uh, Conservatory with all the big giant the prop beautiful things. Beautiful, yes. Bellagio Conservatory. Yeah, a lot of those are built at a, that gist, and he's building. They're they're building a bunch of props for other stuff, but they're they've built a lot of that. Clown boat to that. Come on, that built a lot of that alien So that's part of the reason I stopped by on the way back from from California. I was out for a Christmas party. All right. So I swung by to see it, and it is spectacularly weird. The the shop itself is fantastic. I mean, it is supposed to look. Kind of like a alien tank. Have they ever explained why only half the shop is only in half of the building and the other building is blacked out? The other, the other half. You know, there's two entrances, but only one is the actual entrance because the other entrance, it's just blacked out windows. I would assume that's for the uh, for the uh, immigration. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You you, you can't made. get in there. Your your head is not big enough, and your eyes are not almond shaped enough, and All you're right. not green enough. Yeah. Maybe I did get in there, and the uh, Men in Black just uh, mm. zapped me. Ah, you see, yeah, they've got big plans. There's a structure in the back that looks like um, it looks like a outdoor eating place. It looks like an old drive-through place. Yes, and and I, that doesn't seem to be open either. I don't know what that is. When I was there, it still had like construction tape and stuff on it. Well, that's off now, but so there's nothing going on. I was just saying, it it looked like it was fairly new. Mm-hmm. But there was no reason for it to be there whatsoever. There was no signage, nothing. Now, Alien Fresh Jerky, it's, it's been around for ages. Yes. And it started just this small thing, and now it's taking over Baker, California. It started as a yeah. truck. Yeah. 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 And it's now it is a, like, Route 66-style yes. yeah, tourist trappy place. It's a return of that, which is great. I it's miss great. those, yeah. Because they have all kinds of craziness in there. They've got... I mean, obviously, they've got tons of beef jerky of all different types. And not just beef jerky. They have other and meat jerky. And it's stupid good. Yeah, it's Ostrich really good. Jerky. They have those craft sodas in there, too. So you'll find sodas that you don't see very much anywhere. They had some crazy like Japanese sodas in there, too. They have collectibles. They had a shitload of hot sauces. On this big display, yes, they did. They had a huge rack of hot sauces. I did notice that it was it was incredible. I saw some I sauces that I had rack. never seen before. And they have a uh, they have a Zoltan machine, but it's not Zoltan. It's alien. Yeah, and, and still made by the oh, I'm sure it's made by the people machines. in Boulder City. They yeah. make all the Zoltans. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm just so happy that there's more in Baker than a giant thermometer that yes, doesn't work well. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's, what, two places to eat that isn't fast food. There's the Mad Greek, which is kind of fast food, mm. and a little sit-down place that's kind of like a knockoff Azar's big boy. Damn, if I know I never stopped there long enough to find right, out. Right, that's exactly right. it. There's nothing to do in Baker. Well, the only thing that Baker was really known for is it was basically the place that everyone slept when they went out to film parts of, ah, shoot, what's the vampire movie with the 
Tarantino and uh, uh, Russell Dawn was filmed out there. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, they built the Twitty Titty Twister out there. Did they? Yes. Oh, wonder if there's any remnants of that out there somewhere. I, I think it's long yeah, since I, torn down. They should have. Uh, they should have put one out there. Now, if yeah. you if you get the D, the super special edition DVD of it, there it comes with a. I think an hour half hour and a half or two hour long documentary on the making of that movie. Really, mm. and some of that just takes place in Baker. Huh? I did not know that. So, well, if if there was a decent hotel, and I'm assuming this is brand new hotel is going to be relatively decent, um, Baker is actually a really good jumping off point to go to Death Valley. It's yes. also a good jumping off point to go to the lava tubes that I took those cool pictures at. That's right, just south of that. Yeah, if you want to go see where they filmed the droids walking through the valley for Star Wars, that's, that's your yeah. that's your turn off. It's a, it's a turn off. Yeah, it's now a turn on though with the alien. It's place. easier to get to uh, Zambrisky Point from here because uh, from because you you pal yeah you have to go up and around. Yeah, it's just it's just a much shorter route to Zambrisky Point from here than it is from Baker. But the, the to get to the um, canyon you're talking about, that's probably about equidistant. My hope, my dream is for Alien Fresh Jerky to own all of Baker and turn it into a Disneyland-style stopping point along the way. That is my dream. That is my wish. Well, just up the street now, uh, not up the road from, uh, um, it's not too far from Yermo, there's a place called Eddie World now, which is a giant candy shop with all kinds of weird charges, and it's huge. Eddie World. Yes, it's absolutely huge. And I played a new kind of video game in there. What is what? What do you mean by new kind of video game? What it is operated this? with a unique controller? It's set up above the urinals, and you pee to direct uh, the stream of where your snowmobile is going I've, to run over I've, penguins. I've heard about this. The what but now? I've never seen one. <laughs> Wait, above the urinal, yep. there is a video screen. Yes, there is. And where your stream hits on the urinal mm-hmm. is where your snowmobile goes to run over penguins. Yes, that's correct. I got nine. <laughs> I would hate to be the person that has to clean the bathroom in that place. <laughs> what do you do if you want to go in reverse? I don't think there's... It's, you're just going downhill fast. <clears throat> That's in the stall. You just take shit. Oh. <laughs> Is that how you break? Oh. That'd be cool, actually. Mario Kart sitting in a bathroom stall. Is this thing working? I can't yeah, hear you. We can hear you. You're you, fine. You're fine. Yeah. I hear you just, just great. All right. I just, I don't. So you. No, that's the but thing, it has Jeff, to be. Has I to, can hear everyone else. But. It has to be a well-populated huh. bathroom, because otherwise you're just sitting there waiting for player two. Oh, it's all player two. <laughs> <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> Otherwise, you're just driving yep. around the track. All right. Because it doesn't matter how many stalls are filled. It always just says, player two has joined the match. <laughs> 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 That'd be funny. Every time you you drop your low bloop, blue shell. Player two is <laughs> player two has entered the bowl. Oh, God. oh I, you uh, know what? I, I gotta look into this alien hotel. I, I have to know everything there is yep. to know about this. I, I I love that that kitschy roadside attraction shit, and that's one of the better ones in the area. I'll post pictures on the lair. Okay, great. Uh, what else you do this week, guys? That's that's hard to beat. <laughs> Nothing? Come on. Is uh, that's why we got to lead with that. Yeah. You know. I'm still playing catch up on stuff on the DVR. I'm mostly caught up on my uh, CWDC stuff. Oh. I'm uh, I'm like 
about to start the uh, the Else Worlds event ah, that was so from last week. Got the it. crossover, which uh, looks really good. Is, I haven't seen it yet, though. So is it just like across a single episode across each show? Yeah, um, it's it starts on Supergirl and then goes into Arrow and then finishes up on The Flash. So that's that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, and did I hear, hear right that they're going to do Crisis sometime in the future? Um, I don't know. I mean, they've 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 tackled a bunch of stuff that I didn't think they would ever tackle. Like they did Flashpoint during the you know an entire season of the Flash, and right. and this the repercussions are still being felt in that universe. So I I don't know. It's so, very possible. I I. Well, it, it's hard to equate because you haven't seen all of them. Right. Which w- do you think is the better set of storylines? Uh, the Netflix Marvel-verse or the Berlanti DC-verse? Uh, that's so tough to even... I can answer. That's so tough to even <laughs> answer because I, I've i already admitted before on the show that the majority of the Netflix Marvel things didn't appeal to me. I love the Daredevil series, but I couldn't really get into Jessica Jones and then consequently, I was not at all interested in Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and then now the Defenders. And, of course, now that they're all canceled. And I love the Punisher character. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with Bernthal's performance as that. I just, it didn't grip me enough to keep wanting to watch it. You didn't like the Punisher? I liked the Punisher the first couple episodes that I watched, but it didn't compel me to want to keep watching it like some of these other. Oh my god! That's the only part and I've cared again, about. I'm more of a DC guy than Marvel. Yeah. I have a deep respect for both, but DC is is where I, you know, I always seem to come back to. I think they're too different for comparison. They really, yeah, are. exactly. That's that's the other thing. It's why I don't. It is like more of a. To, it's an opi- it's more of an opinion thing. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I wanted. I mean, I've got a long list of uh, stuff to catch up on, and and, <laughs> and way yeah. at the bottom of my list is ever catching up on the DC stuff. Paul, you know, made it known last week when he was here about how much he doesn't like the Berlanti verse. Yeah. Again, it just depends on. I guess part of it is where your allegiance lies, and he's he's a devout Marvel person. True. He has one or two DC characters that he likes, but for the rest of the universe, he hates the DC universe. He's said so many times. So that's just an example. But. I've liked several bits of the Berlanti verse, uh, but I find it just too cyclical, too much repeating the stuff. The Green Arrow stuff where they keep going back to the island just makes no yeah. goddamn sense. Go back to the island, Felicity and him. Yeah. And just the, the tension, non-tension, tension, non-tension. Yeah. So you don't want me to spoil the whole. Uh, no, I don't want yeah. you to. <laughs> I may, I may eventually get to it, but but I'm gonna watch you know all the all the Marvel stuff, and I still haven't seen the second season of Stranger Things. Yeah, so I haven't seen the second season of Glow. Uh, Netflix just keeps adding new seasons. I of know. Things. Mo, m- most recent season of Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield. I gotta watch a, a half a second half of that. Yeah, you definitely need to watch that. Oh yeah, which I'm still. That's at the I'm top still of the so happy they got another season after this coming summer the summer 2019 and then they've got summer 2020 mm. all locked up i'm so happy about that They're not starving for content people. no god no there's so much i mean there's so much netflix conflict conflict there is <laughs> so, so much, much netflix conflict but yeah 
Well, that actually, that was a slip on my part. But yeah, it's true because every time I go on there, there's like, oh, that seems kind of interesting. Add to queue. And then it just sits in there. To die. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like I see something else. Or occasionally there'll be like some documentary that pops up, you know, recommended for you. Ooh, that sounds interesting. And I'll watch that. And I'm like, oh, shit, I should really go check my queue. Oh, I need to watch this. I need to watch this. And then it just becomes so overwhelming that you're like, I, I have so much stuff to watch, and I just turn it off. Hmm. I think there's stuff that's dropped off my queue because it's not on Netflix anymore. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. But oh, when, yeah. when it comes back on, does it know to put it back on if they put it back into the... I, I think you're safe that it's probably not going to come back once it's gone. Actually, I can check because something that was on my queue... Did it come back? Like a zombie? Uh, it, it, the raid, and it came back... But I, well, <clears throat> I don't know. I never look at my queue. It, it popped <laughs> up true. in my recommendations. Just don't. And but I was it, like, but it, did, it did go off. Yeah. It was off the game. I was getting so set come back to sometimes. watch the raid. It's possible. And it dropped like over a year ago. Yep. <clears throat> and then I was just cruising through the other day and, oh, the raid's there. I was finally ready to bite the bullet and watch World War Z and it dropped off like a week before oh, that. That's the thing You're I really hate not missing much. When I'm, when I'm finally like, ah, oh, God damn it, I got to watch. Oh, it's gone. Yep. Well, um, you know, um, um, Max Brooks said, it's a fine movie, so it's not the book I wrote. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's a zombie movie. Yeah. And if you like a fairly, I don't know if I want to say generic zombie movie, but a fairly common style zombie movie with the exception being the zombies are very fast. Mm -hmm. That's... It has some neat action pieces. It has yes. some great set pieces. Sure. Uh, just It's just not... There's no real characters to care about. No. Uh, you, you, and there's plenty in the book, which is a shame. Yes. And the other thing is like it's it's... It's really predictable. Ah. You you pretty much know from the moment you meet the different characters which ones are going to live and which ones are going to die. Ah. I mean, there's there's really no doubt. And all the way through the end, I was like, this character is going to live, this character, that one's going to die. And it's like, all right. And yeah, everything. Speaking of Netflix, by the way, I know it's a long show. Didn't you by any chance watch any of the uh, Ministry of Time thing? I I, I knew I'm it was a long shot. So behind on stuff, and yeah, and he got up on the Berlanti verse, man. I know. I barely got caught up on that, and just I'm, I'm not staying up late like I did prior to having to go out of town. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm getting up early. I'm not getting really a chance to do anything before work. I come home from work, relax a little bit, and then it's like it's bedtime. So mm. I haven't had much time Life to do a lot of things. Keeps getting in the way of oh, our God, video games tell me about it. That's the truth. Watching. I mean, I'm ready for a vacation already. Yeah. We uh you saw a movie. Kirsten, do you see a movie? Yeah. What'd you see? Well, the raid. I watched it again. Oh, okay, good. That's a good movie. Uh we saw Wreck It Ralph Dose. Ah. I still want to see that so badly. How it's was good. his how was Ralph versus the Internet? It was good. I, yeah, I, I think it might be better than the first one. I haven't yeah. heard that much, really. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, because yeah. I'm hearing a lot just the opposite. It's like not as good as the first. Oh, but, I, uh, I don't think <clears throat> I'm not quite there with Andy, but uh, I don't think it's any worse than the first one. No, no, it's great. It's ah. great. It's entertaining. It's fun. Uh, typical, you know, character development thing and the way they do. Um, in those uh, Pixar joints, yeah. Yeah. little well, little tear jerky. Definitely got some some, some, some what, uh, 
Wreck It uh, Ralph is Disney. Everybody, Hopper. talk at once. Who, who's up? I was simply saying it's it's Disney proper. It's not Pixar. Oh, okay. And what were you saying, Andy? I forgot. He, uh, well, he uh, mumbled in while I was trying to talk, so nah, it's like it, it's all right. I don't think he even knew what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, Stroke the, wallet. The modern, uh, the modern approach to doing those kinds of big animated movies and uh, classic development thing. Whoa. So, <laughs> you just yeah. keep talking lower and lower. I'm trying to turn you up. Well, so, <laughs> George Lucas. He's yeah. like freaking Shaq over here. <clears throat> so, like Shaq in interviews, like, well, um, I think it was great. He says my Harrison Ford impressions like Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so wait, uh, that was a Harrison Ford impression. <laughs> That's <true. laughs> yeah. Shaq would talk about George Lucas all the time. That's right. Um, so it was good. The internet references were just great, and the way they the way they created a world out of the the web and the uh, behind it was really really fun. How they handle what 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 pop ups are and. Um, uh, social media and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It was it was actually very very fun. Best use of the Disney princesses as a group ever. Oh, <laughs> magnificent scene! Hilarious, absolutely wonderful. And there was a lot of very obvious product placement, and none of it bothered me. No, like nope, don't mind well, that at all. It was totally nope. appropriate. Makes perfect sense for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't it all kind of cynical product placement? Because like that's what the impression I was getting from some of the uh, the clips I've seen. Eh, some, but a lot of it, like, uh, the princesses enjoy uh, Penelope's outfit so much that they all decide to get their own uh, casual lounging outfits, and suddenly they're all wearing, essentially, street clothes. And I'm like, every one of those shirts those princesses are wearing has got to be available at the Disney store right now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, Disney is a marketing Cause, machine. Because all the t-shirts are like little riffs on their movies. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, that was kind of um, an interesting side note about the Disney marketing machine. Um, I was talking with um, one of my guests this week that just happened to also be a Star Trek fan and was asking me about, you know, my tenure at the experience. And they said, do you think anything will ever open like that again? And I said, to be perfectly honest, no. And I'll tell you why. And I think it's because Star Wars is such a juggernaut when it comes to merchandising and you know, advertisement, and Disney has unlimited funds to throw at it. Star Trek, even though it's so beloved by the fans, it's kind of niche now to be a Star Trek fan, as opposed to before, in the 90s, when the experience was built, it was at the height of its popularity. It's hard out here for a Trek fan. So So you meant specifically Star Trek. Trek because yes, yes. It sounds like Star Wars is going to come fairly close in some aspects to what the experience was. Well, yes, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like I, I, I don't think anything can match the juggernaut that Star Wars has become. Right. And now that Disney owns it and has unlimited funds to throw behind it, that it, it that... tends to eclipse everything else. Yeah. Although Paramount did announce that they are planning on opening up a theme park, which. Last I knew, they were getting out of that game. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be in Korea. Yeah. And I know that they're going to do some uh, Mission Impossible stuff, but if they're going to do anything Star Trek, it's probably going to be there. There's been a couple of announcements that they've done that they've backtracked on as things have fallen through. Because there, um, there was that announcement about Jordan. Yeah, I was going to say Jordan was one that 
that park was they had begun construction, but then suddenly in the country stopped. in Jordan. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They were going to have this whole massive Star Trek section of this theme park. I am slow tonight. And then uh, I think the closest oh. thing right now is there's the uh, theme park in Germany that has a a Star Trek roller coaster that you walk through, and there's people in next gen style uniforms that guide you through and but it's just it's a roller coaster i've been to jordan i can't imagine a theme park in jordan for way too long in that conversation i was trying to vary who this guy jordan was right (laughs) i'm like what anything else guys uh ralph breaks the internet has a mid-credit scene and an end credit scene duly noted okay is this still in theaters yeah it's still yeah yeah Yeah, because it it did it said so well On yeah. Thanksgiving that it's sticking around. It hasn't even it hasn't been out for a month yet, right? It's only been out for like two weeks. Something or is like it that. three? I think it's two weeks. So much coming out though. Yeah, next well, week. It's Aquaman's coming up pretty quick. I'm gonna try to see Spider Verse sometime this week. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna do that today, and I didn't get around to it because I missed the missed the showing at the theater that I was near. The trailer. After I had lunch. The latest trailer for Aquaman does something that I thought was impossible. Okay. It makes an orange chainmail shirt look cool. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and his outfit does not look bad. I I gotta admit. But it looks very close to the comic book yes, one, it which is dumb. Well, I think yeah. it looks more like the modern version of the the outfit, where yeah. it actually doesn't look as terrible. It's still pretty dumb. Well, I'm it's not orange and green. I'm not denying that it was pretty dumb in the comics. So that's weird. Why was it orange and green? Because in the age he was created in, there was like a general rule of thumb about the heroes and villains of comic books where the heroes wore primary colors and the villains wore secondary colors. Going against the grain, man. Yeah, that's weird. Hmm. Ask Professor Biggs. I'm sure he... He probably does. Has, I mean, there's there's some exceptions, like, like if it was Supernatural or if the color was in a name like green. Light, as much green. as I know about the DC universe, it pales comparison to what Biggs knows. And also, Professor Biggs knows a lot about, like, I'm not going to call it a minor character, but the the quote-unquote non-main characters. And he was going to Comic-Con when we were in short pants. That's, he was going to Comic-Con <laughs> before we were a gleam in our father's eye. Come on, what are you talking about? Speak for yourself, pups. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, fair enough. That's true. Somewhere he's like, them them kids. If there's someone who can rival Andy for ancientness, (laughs) I'm a lovable geezer, though. It's uh, you are. What else did I do? I did something, but I'll be hanged if I can remember. So there was interesting talk about depression and gaming that I stumbled across. Um, because uh, Matt Mercer, the GM for Critical Role, and Holly Conrad, who is a uh, streamer, Twitcher, uh, YouTuber, and also participates in um, uh, Penny Arcade D&D games, the Acquisitions Incorporated games, um, were speaking with Todd Kendrick, the the guy at D&D Beyond who hosts uh, videos for uh, gaming videos for D&D, they were all talking about dealing with depression and uh, and how gaming helped. So that was kind of interesting to actually watch. And a lot of people are looking into that because there are a lot of people involved in, uh, in the 
streaming gaming scene who are admitting to struggling with that. So that was interesting. That's uh, it, and it also I, I, on that same note, there's a very interesting study that was out recently that uh, they found that for really young children and then early teens, excessive use of games and internet and YouTube seems to lead to depression people who are prone to it. Hmm. But that it could also, the types of games that they could switch them to could also combat the depression. I think it's uh, uh, puzzle games and so forth. It kind of forces you out of that depressive cycle. So that might be what they're talking about. Because I know that they have been using those type of games with PTSD um, patients. You know, those types of puzzle games that it, it focuses your mind and kind of... Uh, I, I hesitate to use the word resets the neural pathways, but it does something to the neural pathways to help I can see treat... That the PTSD and, and depression. So I think that's, hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's the exact same thing that you're talking about, Kay, but uh, it's an interesting thing that I read that's at least tied to that. No, they were, they were talking about um, <clears throat> comfort in social uh, environments, uh, being comfortable with working with people. Oh, okay. Getting together. It's not, it wasn't about video gaming. It was about tabletop gaming. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a different and, uh, thing yeah. altogether. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And um, so it was, and and there is actually a movement to, um, in uh, game, to use gaming as a therapy, uh, role play gaming as a therapy, and people do talk about that too. So, that is out there, and it and it's kind of growing as well. I remember reading articles about that in the eighties. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, using um, role playing games as therapy. Yeah, and it's taking off now because hmm. of the whole uh, the whole crazy uh, streaming phenomenon. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, one of the interesting aspects of the discussion was they also went into cosplay and. Um, that was interesting because uh, Holly Conrad is well known as a cosplayer, and she was talking about how that was her way to feel comfortable uh, in like convention environments and stuff using cosplay uh, that that m gives you a a, a control uh, a strength to to make the associations i fully I, understand that i yeah. i remember sitting on a panel where they talked about that um not at the big comic-con but uh, uh i think it was amazing las vegas comic-con here in in town where they they talked about um use of cosplay for um it, social anxiety as well as um uh you know just you know debilitating shyness and it was actually fascinating um, the majority of the panel were women, but there were a couple guys talking about it too. But it was just fascinating about them talking about, you know, going as themselves to a con. They just could not bring themselves to go on the floor. But they said it was almost like a switch was flipped when they got into the costume. They suddenly had confidence. They had um, a feeling of belonging 
and then being able to go around the floor, it was, yeah. it was yeah, fascinating. There's, there's something to be said for the mask, even if it's yeah. not an actual literal yeah, mask. Yeah, well, exactly. exactly. It's, it's the mask. It's the uh, social contract. I mean, that's why a lot of shy people will be performers mm-hmm. is because of the sense of control that you have over the uh, interaction with people when you're a performer. Very much so. Yeah. You, you put me in, on the stage in front of a mic. Oh, yeah. I, I've known that about you for a yeah. long time. Uh, and, I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm good to go. I, I, I'm Mr. Master of Ceremonies. Easy. Yeah. But you, you pull me off that stage and put me in a group. Oh, man, I will, I will wallflower like the best of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, as a side note, I did some quick research here pointing to what you were talking about as the phenomenon of Star Wars, mm-hmm. Jeff. I just looked it up and confirmed the numbers on Box Office Mojo. The worst grossing uh, Star Wars movie, Han Solo, did $1 million less than the best grossing Star Trek movie. Yeah. Yeah. That pretty much nails it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So it's <laughs> like hey, well, three, wow. three, three fifteen and three fourteen hundred million are the are the two numbers. So... So Star Wars is like way up there, and Star Trek sort of hangs off the bottom. So while we're still so, in the things we did, um, talk about the um, critical role this week. Did you watch? I caught the end of with uh, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, uh, Deborah Ann Wall from uh, Daredevil. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She uh, she popped in, and uh, she she had just this goofiest character, and she actually played. Uh, it was she was actually really fun with it. Um, they were they, they went all over the place. It was funny because they talked about <clears throat> um, when they were getting started with doing the streaming. Um, you know, a lot of them knew each other by way of playing D and D, so they knew that Deborah Ann Wall has actually been playing forever, and they asked her if she wanted to participate. Andy saw that coming a, a mile away. <laughs> mile away. Drop this phone. <sighs> okay. <laughs> did, you, did you just forget that the phone was on your lap when you got up? <laughs> Put it down there. Uh, His knee bumped into it. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, they asked her if she wanted to participate, and she, at that time, wanted to, it was something she wanted to keep to herself. And then with the growing acceptance and popularity of streaming D&D, she finally came around to participating. And so she participates on something on D&D Beyond, and then she guested with them, and now she's running something of her own on uh, Project Alpha, which is a a geek and sundry-related site that is a subscription site. Is that that Relics thing I was seeing? Is that yes. Hers? Yes. That is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who don't recognize the name, it's Karen Page from uh, Daredevil. Yeah. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah. 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 Well, she was also so, uh, what was her character on uh, True Blood? Um, yeah, that's right. Shit, I can't Whatever think of the hell right she now. was. Yeah. Um, she was a delight, though. The bits I saw of her, she was just she was describing her spells in weird ways. Yeah, she was very creative, very very fun, very interesting, great interaction. Uh, triggering great interactions from the other character. Laura Bailey's character was starting would alternate between loving her and getting jealous because 
she was she was doing she was an arcane trickster which is a rogue that can cast spells so she was doing little things that laura bailey's cleric could do and so cleric uh Laura would just be like, oh, she can do that too, you know, and it, it just... At, at one point, two of the characters were conspiring against her publicly because she could do better stuff than both yeah, of them. Yeah, because uh, Sam Regal's thief, right, is, and she, <laughs> Deborah, is is like, oh, I'm going to catch Maytan, and I'll get my thieves tool, and I'm going to go pick the locks, and I roll a 23, and Sam sits there and goes, oh, she can pick locks, too. <laughs> one point, <laughs> Sam and Laura just start talking, we, we got to kill her. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was really amusing. It was really fun, and it was nice character work, and like Andy said, describing the spells, it it shows an aspect of D and D play where you can you're not quite as limited by the books as you think you are, and you can dress things up a bit, give it a shot. So it was interesting to watch. I look forward to seeing what she's going to do because she's apparently an experienced DM. She's Clearly, been DMing yeah. a huge part of her life when you know doing the D and D scene. It's so funny to find out that there was this underground for so fucking long. Was really, it's really amazing. It's ridiculous. The the two that were conspiring is funny because they're also the two that have the most weird voices in a thing. Yeah, and they all do great voices, but those two are they're what tiefling or something or uh, uh, Sam is a goblin and Laura's a tiefling, and she kind of has this weird sort of kind of Romanian East, yeah. Eastern European type accent. Yeah, and okay. and, and and so just, the two of them conspiring with those voices was just like. Yeah. Killing me. Yeah. It, it, no, it was We funny. should kill them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have to die. Um, but it was, yeah. That was, it was good. That was, that was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed watching that one. Uh, side note on The Punisher as well. Oh. I stumbled across an appearance of John Bernthal on uh, Joey Diaz's podcast. Joey Diaz is a, uh, a comedian i think he also might have he he's he's a classic mob guy so he must have been on like sopranos or something but hmm. i didn't know anything about him and it turns out he's in a lot of ways he's a lot like shane he had an incredibly violent life Oh, wow. Growing up, he actually uh, spent some time in jail, and there was one point where uh, he had a fight with a guy, a street fight, where um, he laid the guy out, and the guy hit his head, so there was a period, a brief period, where they weren't sure if the guy was going to wake up, and so he's talking about being handcuffed, put in the truck, and they're taking him away, and the cops are just like, if he don't wake up, that's it for you, you know, and... And, and stuff like that. And the guy did wake up. And so, and that was when he was in Night at the Museum 2. Oh, wow. So he said his face is on billboards all over L.A. And so the guy sues him. <laughs> you know, after mm -hmm. the guy started some shit with him because he was walking his, his dog. And his dog's incredibly friendly and nice and bounded right up to this guy who was being a bit of an asshole on the street and the guy grabbed the dog picked him up gave him a hug and was just being friendly and Bernthal said there was something about him that rubbed him the wrong way already so he didn't 
So he's like calling his dog back and he's like, boss, come here, boss, come on. And the guy, uh, uh, the dog gets out of his hands and goes back up to Bernthal, but the guy goes, what are you doing with my dog? And Bernthal's like, eh, and he turns around and starts walking away, and the guy followed him, and his friends are following with him, and he's like, hey, man, I asked you a question. What are you doing with my dog? And pushed him. Oh, seriously? It, it was really funny because it sounded like a fucking sixth-grade fight, you know? Mm. But he pushed him in the back, and Bernthal said he turned right around him right across the face, and the guy was knocked out standing, mm -hmm. so when he fell, his head flopped, Right, bam, hit the sidewalk. The friends jump Bernthal, Bernthal's friend jumps in, and everything's a mess, but the cops come along, and apparently it's one of those neighborhoods, so the cops put Bernthal and his friend in cuffs, and then the whole thing about the guy. So, But he said that there was that was the the turning point where he's like I've gotta I've gotta change my life because at for a while there the cops made an impression on him with the whole this is it for you if he don't wake up you're going away for a very very long time and he was thinking about that and he was like he, and it was funny because he's like I could survive that I could make it in prison. <laughs> You know, which is right there is a chilling thing to say. But he said, but that would definitely be a change. That would be something you're not coming back from. Mm. So I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. I can, but I don't want to. So God, if you could wake that guy up, that would be great. <laughs> and then he said the guy woke up and he's like, okay, good. And that's when he started turning his shit around. Did he, he still got sued though. I believe so. Yeah. I uh, he didn't he didn't elaborate on that, but yeah, it was a drinking and drugs thing, and he he said that they, you know, he had dropped a lot of stuff because it was just crazy. But it was a really interesting, quick shot interview, and sometimes uh, YouTube recommendations uh, aren't bad. Right. So. And then you get all that fascist stuff because you watched one Jordan Peterson video. See, <laughs> you get the fascist stuff. My YouTube channel just makes me... It's trying to get me to play Age of Sigmars, what it's trying to do. <laughs> Warhammer Age of Sigmars. It's not enough that I'm watching 40K videos. Hey, there's some fantasy stuff. Watch, watch that while you're at it. Learn how to buy and paint wraiths. Mm. Which is a great thing to be able to say about yourself. <laughs> uh, didn't have a lot of time to do geeky stuff this week. It was a busy week. Uh, I found some uh, utility time. I am now changing my... Citadel paint pots and putting them into dropper bottles. Oh, good. Yes. It's a. Uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Citadel paint is okay paint, mm -hmm. but their pot system for holding them is yeah. terrible. Right. Because it dries around the edges. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so it's so easy for your paint just to start drying up on the oh, inside. Oh, dude, of the I, I pulled my paints out of the closet where they'd been sitting for too long and they were all. All just dead rocks. Yeah, they were all done. So okay, I'm taking take some flow improver and putting them into dropper bottles. That'll keep them nice. Plus, it's easier to paint dropping paint out of bottles anyway. So that, and I'm still working on that tank. You can move them. You can actually transfer them. I never thought of that. Right? I, I didn't either. But you know what? YouTube said, "Hey, why don't you watch this video about how to, how to fix your paint problem?" Ah, just wait. Till you get the uh, 
the uh, Todd. Get to painting your minis from YouTube, and then it puts up the video. Dude, I get it. <laughs> It'll be yeah. like coming up next. Todd, I, you should be painting your minis. I had in one five, of those. Four, three, two. <laughs> Alt Ultra. Oh shit! I wish I could remember what it was. It freaked me out because it was not something I'd searched for on the internet. It was like a, what a couple other people were saying. It was just a conversation I'd had with <laughs> people in the last couple of days. And that fucking thing popped up in my uh, ad feed in Facebook. And I just sat there staring at it like, what <laughs> the fuck? That was weird. Because I had what you get for living in this century. Yeah, really. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what brought up sexy Barbie doll toys, dolls, on, but sexy Barbie doll clothes on my suggested ads in Facebook. I'm wondering that too. Yeah, no. I mean, I would admit it if I could think of something that would do that. Dude, that probably, come on. Some of the conversations you and, and Celestia and that circle have, yeah, I'm sure be, yeah. that created, <laughs> that triggered a few algorithms. Yeah. It, it probably hurt, hurt being the, uh, and then Celeste singing the uh, the lap dance is always better when the strip ripper is crying. Ah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I haven't thought of that song in a while. I hadn't heard it before, no? like last week. <laughs> oh, God. I actually heard it on the radio back. You Good know, when Lord, are you serious? Radio. I was on the radio. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. I was. Uh, yeah. John was Barenthal, by the way, Al Capone. I had to look it up. I'm like, oh yeah, and I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. John I know. Barenthal and Al Capone played he Al, was Capone. Al Capone in Night oh, at the okay. Museum. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I should, I, yeah. Okay. I remember now. Yeah, I yeah. hadn't seen that movie in a while, so I'm like, when is he? When, when he he, he said something about yeah. As soon as you said that, I can see him. I can see yeah. him in that. And then I, I was run, trying to run through in all black the different, and white. Yeah, and I was trying to run through all the different characters in my head. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I thank you, Andy, for giving us our theme music this I, week. I, oh, good <laughs> lord! <laughs> I actually like <laughs> the soundtrack to Night at the Museum. Yes, yes, that's yeah. exactly okay. what you heard when the show started. A lot of people uh, were rough on it, but I actually liked the, the Night at the Museum movies. <laughs> I, I really did too. They were fine. They, yeah. they, they weren't. You know, they're not going to win any. You know, it's not Fellini. I think it's. I think it's Ben Stiller. Some people just don't like Ben Stiller's characters in movies, and I thought he was less Ben Stiller than he is in a lot of other films. Yeah. There was a time so. when it felt like Ben Stiller was in everything. Everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, he was around. I fell in love with Amy Adams in that movie. Oh, she was amazing. I was in love with Amy Adams before that movie. But, right, but Ooh. yeah, she's 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 good in that. Shit, you calling movie dibs too. on Amy Adams? <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> the original I, masturbator. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call dibs on her. I fell in love with her in um, um, uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Shit. Yeah, no. that's right. Boom, it's all over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's glitter. all over. It's, it's glitter. It's glitter all over. It's glitter. <laughs> um, oh, what was I gonna? Oh no, I was just gonna sing that the caricature is better when the artist is crying. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> evil. A salute to Andy. Oh. You so, want me to do some shit? I'm not I doing do. it. I know. I'm waiting for oh, somebody wow. to do some shit. <laughs> You're just videoing some random shit. I'm not videoing anything yet. <laughs> is it better when the artist is crying or the subject that the artist is pa is drawing is crying? Well, I think the the way that sentence went pretty much illustrates why <sighs> I went the way I went. Okay, <laughs> I did. I did make a the caricature is better when the subject of the caricature that the artist is painting is crying. <laughs> uh, just say the model. It's much quicker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, model. The idea of a model crying. Yeah, I like that. 
It's got dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're so beautiful and unhappy. That makes me feel good. We got some physical mail from Chris the Microscope. <laughs> physical mail. Physical mail. Physical mail. Physical mail. Physical I'm mail. I'm physically male. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. You're, 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 you're physically male, but what? Emotionally um, asexual? What? I'm, I'm emotionally everybody's sob sister. So there you go. So that's. Uh, Explains a lot, Andy. Mm. So what, what did Chris send us here? <laughs> I was trying to do this one-handed while I hold the mic. Oh, uh, that's what somebody said. Baby um, Adams. A Ralph Bakshi film. Wizards. Wizards. Excellent. Never saw it. What? I've not se- I think maybe I have seen this. The The picture on the back actually looks familiar. The fr- one on the front does not. Um, and uh, Enemy Mine. Oh, Dennis Quaid, Louis Gossett Jr. Oh, wow. I know. That's why you sent it, Chris, because I hadn't seen it. I really appreciate oh. it. That's a Wolfgang awesome. Peterson film. Yeah, yeah um, it's, it's classic. Mine. They what are. Um, neither one is a perfect movie, but they're going to be enjoyable. But uh, Wizards has definitely got some weird stuff going on. Well, yeah, it's, it's got a Ralph Bakshi film. It's of course it's going to be right. weird. It's weird. Expect some heavy rotoscope. Oh, fun! Yeah, and there's this little plastic. Hole. Oh my God! Oh, what, 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 what? check this out! Oh right. my. Now you, now you I, I've explained on the show my love for, uh, God damn it, I love the movie. Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. But especially I love the Green Goblin head on the truck. Yes. He sent me a recreation of that Green Goblin head. Wow. Now you need to buy a truck that it fits to. Well, yeah, Dude, he's got to find a, the right a model. model kit. Yeah, just. We have to find the right scale, though, right? Sure. Which shouldn't be that hard. Well, even got one cover with scales. But yeah, it's got a place that you just hang it over the front and oh my god, this is ama- this is amazing. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much. Dude, if you put that on the model and then put the spray gloss over that, that's going to look amazing. It's it's, it's exactly what's going to happen. Exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I called it. Oh man, this is <laughs> I'm 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 learning I'm learning Todd's paint style now. <laughs> thank you, Chris. This is fantastic. That is pretty cool. I really, really May appreciate I see it? it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I think that's oh, made out of... Oh, this thing is solid, too. Yeah, I think it's made it's, out of clay, hardened clay. Let me see. It's, it's made out of clay. Or, yeah, perhaps Sculpey. The little car oh. that's made out of clay. Somebody, uh, Jesus, Andy. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't drop the Green Goblin. I dropped my I, phone. I, I thought you did for a second. Uh, as long as it's just your phone. It would have served me right to yeah. hand it to him. No, this is uh, this is I, I assume from from this since this was something that somebody had bought out of a store. This is somebody built this. Yeah, yeah somebody made yeah, this that. Is gorgeous. He told me that someone on uh, eBay or Etsy were, was creating them. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I, I checked on the page. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have to get one of these eventually when yep. I get around that's, to the project. That's fantastic for mm. handmade. I'm I'm really impressed. But here it is in the hand, and it's amazing. Thank wow. you. This 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 is it's in the hand and mine. it's amazing. All that's right. right. The title of the show. Mm. It's in the hand, and it's amazing. And it's back looking to, at me. Back it's to making, Amy Adams. It's making me smile. Uh-huh. Oh, rock and roll. Anything else, gentlemen? No, move on, man. Let's get on I think stuff. we've spent an hour on this. So. Move on, he says. Yeah. And I got good video, finally. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. <sighs> I'll bet I do. I don't think you will. Uh, Brent Leonard, director of The Lawnmower Man from 1992. Yep. And Virtuosity from 1995. Again, yep. Will be helming Elijah, a film based on the Old Testament prophet. Yep. 
Jeff, you still care? Uh, nope. <laughs> of the project, Leonard said, the tremendous human and spiritual journey at the core of the epic biblical story of Elijah provides the ultimate canvas for my passion to explore the connection between cinematic and immersive storytelling. Unquote. Uh, Elijah already has a sequel greenlit. Elijah, what? Elijah Part 2. And we'll Electric st- Boogaloo? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll start a cinematic universe of Bible stories. Awesome. <laughs> Fuck off. Because there's not enough Bible movies out there. Oh. They have to keep making them. All right. I, I hope it's banana pants like that Noah movie was. Oh, Jesus. That Noah that movie one. was so much fun. Refresh my memory on Elijah. If somebody had uh, Elijah's religious main moment in the Bible is when he is on. This is going to be the showdown of this movie where the priests of Baal, the god Baal, uh, are, are calling on the god to light the pyre of their sacrifice and so on, and they're cutting themselves and, and sacrificing things and, and, and crying and yelling out, and nothing's happening. And Elijah douses his sacrificial animal in like water and makes it so it's hard to light up, calls on the power of God, and God ignites the sacrifice, and that's the big Elijah win. That's, that's, the, that's the culmination of this movie. Didn't that's, he, how, that's how it ends. Didn't he wrestle an angel? Uh, was it Elijah that wrestled the angel? Or was it Daniel? I can't oh, remember. Because, I no, know. no, it was a prophet. I think it was Elijah. You're, right. You're probably right. But even so, that was like a paragraph in the Bible. They were just- <laughs> Mm. Sure, downplay it, Todd. I see what you're doing. I mean, they got to figure out some for part two, I guess. Mm. Elijah 2, the wrestling ring. <laughs> Cast in Lord of the Rings. The Reckoning. <laughs> the Reckoning. Elijah 2, it's actually, it's a satyr, and there's an empty plate, and it just sits there, you know, all <laughs> night long. I think you're mixing yeah. up your religion. Satyrs are from Roman stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, you, you. Wow. But well, yeah, you can have different movies of the different prophets and get them all together in some of the prophets of uh, Avengers movie. Dude, you know what they need to do? They, they need do? to do a series on television starting with Genesis, and then years later they wrap up with Revelations and talk about a big fucking finale climax. They tried to do that. I was say, didn't they try to do that once? They did try to do that in the 70s. There was a show, I think it was called The Bible, and yeah, because I remember my parents watching it. I remember seeing the yeah, they, first episode of Adam and Eve. Yeah, they got it. They started with Genesis, and then they just yeah. never went from but there. But they they got a banana pants it, as you said. Right. Yeah, I get those. But those begatting uh, episodes are pretty. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, we just go with the begatting. Yeah. Like smash, smash want, cut of I, yeah. begat from begat. A lot of smashing. Yeah. And I, I want to see the episode of Methuselah. Living age nine hundred, going. Why am I not dead yet? This hurts. I, that's yeah. what I want. There you go. Or uh, or uh, one of those guys fucking his wife's maid. That happened a lot. Oh jeez, mm. yeah. Yeah. So you know, but they made one of them king. Yeah. Hell, yeah. Hell, fucking his daughters. Oh, that's right, man. <laughs> I'm loving this series. This is going on Cinemax. There you go. Late night. Those are the parts that'll be conveniently left out. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody called Lucy Wallace. That was right? that. They left out the part in Noah where his kids walked in on him naked and then they felt shame. Yep, that, that was not into Banana Pants Noah. Oh man. Well, you know what? That changes things. That's too bad. Andy mm. and I. We were watching Bumpin' Mikes, which is Dave Attell 
and Jeff Ross's little tour thing. That sounds right. Pretty funny. And at one point, Ross goes into the audience and he's like, Aunt Donna, you're here. Come on up. I'm bringing up my Aunt Donna, Dave. And they're coming up and Attell looks at it and he's like, an aunt and the nephew. See, this is my favorite type of porn right here. <laughs> yeah, it was a great line. <clears throat> anyway, back to the Bible. <laughs> back to the cinematic biblical universe. Uh, the, that one th- I, I'm going back to Noah just for a second because if you didn't see Noah, it was great. It was full of uh, elementals and and weird stone giants. Elementals and stone giants. Yeah, dude. That every no nobody knows mm-hmm. all the cool the fantasy shit that's in the Bible. Yes, it is it is there is some awesome stuff. I, I read that part. I don't remember there being elementals and stone giants and Leviathan, the... the great sea creatures from the Bible. Yeah, but not in the Noah part, is it? No, but it's back during that area. Yeah, yeah in fact, that's it is around that Noah part. Actually, they talk about the Leviathan in the ocean. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's crazy town. Check that movie out. It's fun. Christians hated it. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend geek. Yay! Cartoon Network is opening up its first hotel in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Amish country. Yeah, that's weird. Right? Across nine acres of land along Route 30, the Cartoon Network Hotel will be an interactive experience that includes, quote, surprises around every corner, a brand new resort-style pool and water play zone, an outdoor amphitheater with an oversized movie screen, lawn games, fire pits, and more, unquote, according to the official announcement. All of the rooms will be themed on different shows like Adventure Time, Powerpuff Girls, Ben 10, and We, and we Bear Bears. Is that, is that a thing? <laughs> We bear, we, we bear bears. I like how that how you stalled all those names, and then right at the end, you're like, Meh. I don't know this one. Depending on the kid's preference, the suites can be interchanged and customized. An indoor pool play area and a Cartoon Network gift shop, of course, will complete the all-immersive experience. If you go swimming, the lifeguard is the Ice King's penguin pal, Gunter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> stared at me. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Uh, no no relation. There's something you want to tell us about. Okay. Kitchen can whip up a stack of Jake's bacon pancakes. Plus, the hotel will be close to the Dutch Wonderland amusement park. Uh, the hotel is expected to open this summer. Is there an adult swim wing for the... <laughs> That <laughs> for the for the people brothers. that want to go there that don't want to be around all the kids. <laughs> that would be smart of them. It really would, but I doubt they're going to. They're do not going to do it. But I like where you're going. Since you have influence there as the lifeguard, I think okay. you can talk to somebody. Oh, fair enough. Three get, brother bears. Right Three brother bears awkwardly attempt to find their place in civilized society. Whether they're looking for food, trying to make human friends, or scheming to become famous on the internet. So it is called we, we bear, bear bears. bears. Okay. I want to make yes. sure I was getting that right. Wasn't it the same thing last year, last week, where you said the winners was the name of the show? <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the game. I swear it. <clears throat> Margaret Atwood announced that she will publish a sequel to her acclaimed novel, The Hands Handmaid's Tale, one of the most influential and acclaimed dystopian stories ever written. Titled The Testaments, the story will be set 15 years after the original novel. It will be narrated by three different female characters. Quote, 
Everything you've ever asked me about Gilead and its inner workings is the inspiration for this book, Atwood said in her announcement. Well, almost everything. The other inspiration is the world we've been living in. Unquote. <laughs> First published in 1985, The Handmaid's Tale is the story of Ofrid, the woman, woman living as a handmaiden in Gilead, a patriarchal Jesus Christ, patriarchal totalitarian state that overthrew the United States government and now uses women as vessels for breeding. The novel is still celebrated for its realism, themes, and feminist perspective, and its relevance to modern life is still discussed more than three decades after its publication. This was further emphasized when The Handmaid's Tale TV series, which adapts and expands on Atwood's novel, debuted in April 2017 on Hulu. The Hulu series was renewed for a third season earlier this year. The Testaments arrives in September 2019. Uh, if you haven't read The Handmaid's Tale, it's a hell of a book. By uh, somebody I was dating in college said, you need to read this. And she was right. That is a fantastic read. Mm -hmm. I was dating years ago. So I thought I should read it, too, and I didn't. <laughs> well, and look how you two turned out. That explains a lot, Andy. <laughs> explains a lot. That's really go. good. And uh, she was going to seminary. Oh. Well, this, and then she's like, here, read this. She was a big, and a big thing about men being, everything being men's fault at the time. And I was like, not me. Ah, the old misandrist. Mm. Ah, yes. They were funnier when they, you know, when there was more of them. Now it's just, you know, now the feminists like they're fucking, I don't know. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. <laughs> Good on them. Good like, on you, girl. I'm like, I'm like, where are you going with this, Kristen? I, well, I, that's, that was my thing. I'm like, why Why am I even bothering I don't know. Yeah. I was confused the hell. It's just going to let you swim there for a little while. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Todd. Let, let him adult swim. Yeah, yeah, let's let's uh, Jeff call him up. We were just gonna give him just enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> oh, I don't ever do that on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Not every week. <laughs> Not every week. Okay, every other week. Todd, Ju read something. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Julius Avery, the Australian director of Overlord, is Fox's choice to direct the new Flash Gordon film. <sighs> That the hype of Overlord has apparently allowed Avery the chance to play in bigger sandboxes, including one of the most beloved sci-fi properties of all time. First introduced in 1934, space adventurer Flash Gordon has remained a pop culture mainstay, even as his influence has waxed and waned over the intervening decades. Gordon's alive. <laughs> the property famously spawned movie serials and continued its in story in epic comic strips, TV series, comic books, radio serials, stage adaptations, novels, and the 1980 film Flash Gordon remains a cult classic. Forget it, Ming. Deals with me. And fans have been <laughs> eager to see the character return to the big screen for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the the ending. They didn't know how to end. <laughs> Uh, if and you know what, if you love Flash Gordon, you need to learn the story of behind Flash Gordon. Oh, I would love to know so much about. I mean, there's, there, I know little bits about the behind the scenes on that, but I would love for there to be like a tell-all book because, oh my God, just the little stories that I've heard. I'm like, it's a wonder that film got made. Is there any uh, documentary or anything like uh, that? I. Not sure of documentary. I know I've read some magazine articles. I know there's some internet articles about the full history of it. 
that I've read, and, and and I love the fact that they just did not know how to end that movie. It's there was no ending in the screenplay. So delightfully cheesy. I mean, it's 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 a bad film. It's it's a terrible movie, but it's it's fun. It's just really it's so silly you can't help but laugh at it. And I can't tell you the number of times I've watched it. It just makes me giggle every single time. At this Christmas party I was at this weekend, there was somebody there who had worked on one of the Lombada movies. When we're talking about oh. the golden gold, all that golden, and the forbidden dance. Yes, when one of the and uh, when was a Canon split up and. Anyways, Golden Gold. Canon films, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that whole thing where they split up and both started making the same movie they had been working on. He was working on one of those movies. And, wow. And the director didn't know what he was doing and was filming it weirdly in order. So they'd set something up completely, tear it down, turn and set it up like in the next corner, and then go, oh, let's go back to the other thing. And then it oh, reset so they the left, whole thing. They left wow. no room for reshoots? No, he, he would actually he was like setting setting something up, turning and shooting another action with the, you know the whole reset, moving the lights and all, and then go back to the oh, thing he'd just been shooting. God, that sounds expensive. That's oh, a, that bet. would be a nightmare. Yeah, that oh was a God. weird moment in film. Yeah, because I remember going to the movie theater, going An- another Lombada movie. What's going on? Did you actually go to see them? That sounds no. like you went to see them. Okay, all right. No, I, yeah, I, I was talking I'm about seeing, seeing the trailers <laughs> for it I, while I, you're I watching I think movies. the last time I saw it was like when Harry Potter first came out. Mm. It was like, well, you want to see the Harry Potter movie, and there's another Lombada movie. What do you, which do you choose? I think it's, I, going back to Flash, I think part of the reason why it's so much fun is because every, almost every character just plays it so far over the top. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just like... With the exception of Flash himself, everybody is just to the extreme. They're like, well, you know, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in style. Oh, dude. <laughs> just, oh, my God. Everybody's just... chewing that scenery. It's Not great. the ballworms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's funny. Just everything. I was watching YouTube. There was a guy who was doing this uh, thing on Space 1999. Oh, that TV series. Uh-oh. And um, Enterprise is calling. Yeah. In the second season, they added a hot alien chick. Hot alien in space 1999. Yeah. Her father was Brian Blessed. And it was really funny because the guy actually makes the comment, um, you know, it was a good episode, this and that, blah, blah, blah. It was really not, da, da, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and the performance from an unusually restrained Brian Blessed. And it, when he said that, my brain instantly went to Gordon's Alive. It was really, really funny because uh, um, I also remember him. I, you guys see I, Claudius. Mm-hmm. He's Augustus in that. And it just, it, it, it's always stuck with me. It's... Uh, I really, I really enjoyed him, but yeah. But I think Bombast, that's who I think of. Do you think it was because they put a lot of theatrical actors in that movie, and that's why everything is so extreme? Dude, they they felt it was a silly, cheesy thing, and they told him to go for it. Okay. No doubt. And if Sam Jones... Uh, you you gotta wonder, was it a choice to make him play it kind of lower so that he is differentiated from the rest. It well, almost sounds like it would be something you plan. If I remember was right, he was first, yeah, he wasn't an actor. He was a yeah, model. He was a model, and I think that was his first film ever, if I remember correctly. I believe correctly. so. Yeah, in, like, in fact, that's not his voice you see here in the movie. He was overdubbed. 
Oh, God. Really? Yeah. So that's not even Sam Jones' voice. All this time, you thought you'd know what he sounded like. Nope. Well, I mean, I've met him. And I just figured it was age because, you know, our voices change as we age. Gets higher and higher. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sam Jones. Here's your signature. Apparently, Which, he didn't get along with the director. And so when they had to do go back and redo voice stuff, he was button heads with them. And so they just said, fine, we'll just revoice well, was, you with somebody else. Wasn't that else. the movie we were talking about recently where he tried to get a more money out of it and got booted out and they shot everything with a double or was that something else we were talking about where they did that uh it not it might be something else but yeah that was kind of what happened but not reshot visually it was reshot audio the audio is redubbed what the hell are we talking I, about i don't know but i will say this sam jones is hilarious in the two ted films from uh uh family guy uh, creator Seth uh, MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. I my brain went in a different direction you, from where I lost <laughs> Maximum Overdrive, and I love that movie. I get it. That's We're okay, old Jeff. I thought you meant Bill and Ted's, and I was like, what? What was he in Bill and Ted's? <laughs> uh, Scott McFarlane. Every one of us. I mean, Jimmy. <laughs> That is, by the way, a fantastic soundtrack by Queen. It is. Mm. It really is. And no matter how awesome it is, we're still opening this show that with the lap yeah. dance is always oh, no, I just, just cry. <laughs> I, mean, I was just going to say, it's, it's one of the more hard rock. I see what you're doing, Jeff, and you shall fail. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's one of the more hard rocking styles of Queen that we... I mean, no Queen song is like any other Queen song, like Todd said before. You know, it's like you can tell it's them, but no two songs sound alike. And that soundtrack is so different than like the Highlander soundtrack is a completely different style for them than the Flash. So just it's it's just fascinating the different styles they chose to go with. It matches that movie. Oh, it it totally matches that movie. Theatrical, over the top. Um, that movie uh, is a, almost operatic, if you will. That is a filmatic version of a drag queen. Full and Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. Music and all. Scott McCloud's 2015 graphic novel, The Sculptor, will be turned into a movie by Warner Brothers. Great. With director Destin Daniel Cretton, who did Short Term 12, I don't know that one, at the helm. Praised by Neil Gaiman as the best graphic novel I've read in years, the sculptor is like a mix between the myths of Faust and Pygmalion. The protagonist is David Smith, an artist who sells his soul to the devil in exchange for an unbelievable sculpting talent. However, with only 200 days to live, David must be selective with his projects and agonize over finding the love of his life at the last minute. Michael McKinnock, who did The Giver, has been tasked with penning the screenplay. Uh, Scott McCloud's Sculptor is a fantastic read. Mm. Have you read it? I own it. I haven't read it yet. Okay. It's in my it's in my long uh, bookshelf of uh, intent. Crack it open. Yeah. Find it. It's a fantastic read. <laughs> I love I love it. The bookshelf of intent. I know it's That's like awesome. A, like a hope chest. Yeah. <clears throat> you have to like. Do you have to like roll a die every time you go up to it to see if you actually get to read something or no? Not? You just look at it and go. <laughs> I should read that. I should read that. I should, and then you get frozen up and you don't read anything. 
Yeah, goddamn I, Netflix of that, bookshelves. That's, yeah, yeah <laughs> the paralysis of choice. Absolutely. Yep. I, I I know what you mean. Yep. Chances of reading a book is like getting a double zero eighteen in D and D strength. I, I, in fact, when I came back from Kansas, Got that I, all the time. I was sitting there and I'm like, all right. I have some TV to catch up on. It's a good way to just take my mind off everything. I sat down and I looked at all the choices I had on the DVR, and I'm like, stress. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So I, I basically I turned the TV off and I went to bed. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> nope, I'm, I can't, I can't deal with too much choice right now. You're smarter than me, dude, because no, I have you, done 45 minutes to an hour of just no, no. Oh, I, I've, no, I've done that. No. I've spent an hour going through Netflix. Just like looking through things and then suddenly uh, going, holy shit! It's been an hour. Yeah. And I haven't even. I, I can't haven't even... start something yeah. now because yeah. it'll. I'm. Uh, it's an hour. I'm just gonna turn this on for like ten minutes. And watch ten minutes of something I already know, just so I can see something fun. And it's you know, an hour later. It's like, <laughs> oh, damn, <laughs> fuck. Ah, uh. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get Tourette's guy. MGM has announced they are partnering with Jordan Peele and Wynn Rosenfeld, uh, both of Monkey Paw Productions, to produce what they are calling a contemporary sequel to the horror classic Candyman. Uni- okay. Universal Pictures will distribute the film nas- nationwide. The original 1992 film was adapted from a Clive Barker short story titled The Forbidden. The film is also being called a spiritual sequel to the original film and will... Re- return moviegoers to the place where it all began, a now gentrified section of Chicago, where the housing projects of the original film used to be. The screenplay will be written by Peel and Rosenfeld, with Nia DaCosta, who did Little Woods, taking the directorial reins. Quote, The original was a landmark film for black representation in the horror genre, said Peel, via the MGM press release. He goes on to say that Candyman was a major inspiration to him as a filmmaker. He adds, we are honored to bring the next chapter in Candyman canon to life and eager to provide new audiences with an entry point to Clive Barker's legend, unquote. Production is expected to begin in the spring of 2019 with a projected stateside release date of June 12, 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for this news. Okay, I was going to ask how you felt. Cause... Very, very happy. One, I love the original Candyman. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the smartest horror films of the 90s. When I saw it, I was absolutely blown away by its themes. Uh, then I saw the second one. I said, "Oh, this is terrible." <laughs> I didn't even see the third one. So, so I am, this, so this one's ignoring the other ones and just don't know. Well, Parker it said it's a spiritual sequel and talking about canon. It might, uh, of course, uh, it's the movie is better than the Barker story. The Barker story is good. But the movie finds something deeper in it that the Barker story doesn't have. You're talking about uh, the first one, right? The very first Candyman, yes. Versus the Forbidden. Because Barker this, was this, only involved in the first one, right? He was not even involved in the first one. That's uh, well, I thought the screenplay had, was based on his story, right? But I thought he had approval on the first one, and then the yeah. other two he didn't have any. No, that's Hellraiser. Oh, okay. so, we're, so we're on our list of uh, the rare thing where the movie is better than a book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, it's based on one of his uh, short stories in his Books of Blood canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that it's it's just the themes of building a myth and being a part of, while trying to research this myth, becoming a part of it. It's glorious and plus beautifully shot. Uh, so yes, I'm all for, especially in the hands of Jordan Peele. Yeah, mm. yes, please. That's that I trust him over anybody with this material. Uh, 
it's Can- a, Candyman's it's, so good. It's amazing how he's he's getting all these projects and Jordan Peele, you know, because I remember early on it was just like, oh, well, he's just known for comedy, and now that he's proven himself, everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll. we'll Yes, what happens when you make a movie that makes a shitload of money? Well, yeah, but I'm just saying it's like it must have been a huge fight for him to get that film made to prove that, you know, he wasn't just a comedian. You know, he actually had something to say and and do on screen. What also helps to have a very small budget to make the movie you want to make. Absolutely. I, you know, some of the better filmmakers have made amazing films on very small budgets. And, you know, more as a proof of concept to say, these are the things that I can do with this much money. Imagine what I could do sure. with more resources. I, I think said, the num- said Peter Jackson yeah, about right. Mortal, Mortal Engines. Well, <laughs> I think the number of comedians that become, the number of comedians that can become serious actors. Oh, yeah. Is, is uh, greater than the number of serious actors that can right. do comedy. Right. I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Yeah. My theory is is because stand-up comedy is like one of the hardest forms of acting. Right. And so you get some of those comedians who are tapping a sort of acting sense to to be successful. And then you have some others who they're stuck, you know, that it's like they're 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 typecasting themselves in in that particular role as it were and and they can't get out of it so they're always well, a stand up Andrew Dice Clay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Well that's me. yeah that's that's yeah that's really interesting cuz I remember Leslie Nielsen talking about when actually him and Robert Stack both when they brought them in for airplane you know they, they were always like oh I'm surprised I could do comedy and he's like we we did comedy for years before we got cast as the quote unquote serious leading man and then got known for being doing for doing that. Yeah. So it was you know, it was for them it was just flexing a muscle they hadn't been able to use for a while. And then uh, the man on the used same to carry to- around a fart machine for God's yeah. sakes. And then on the same token I remember <laughs> Well, I think he was buried with it if I remember right. <laughs> sure he was. I mean still <laughs> one of left my, it on. still one of my favorite films, the Truman Show. I mean Jim Carrey in that is phenomenal. Man and of the that moon. was yeah, of Man God of the Moon damn, is too. Man yeah, of the Moon. Yep, that broke him though. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> if you watch the documentary on it. Yeah, that's impressive stuff. I loved that documentary. Yeah. Tom Hanks and Nothing in Common. Mm, that yeah. was the movie where I was like, "Holy shit, he's more than funny!" And it was a few years after that, and he did. Uh, Philadelphia and Forrest yeah. Gump, and that just changed mm-hmm. everything. But Nothing in Common, there were moments yeah. where you're like. Holy shit. Was I Forrest Gump before that thing you do or after that thing you do? Oh, before, it was before. Well, way before. Way before, yeah. Way before. Hmm. Okay. That thing you do was his. That yeah, was that was a, his directorial. A Tom Hanks joint. That's yeah, that was his okay. directorial debut yeah. as well as he was a producer and founded his own company, mm-hmm. Playtone, for that. Robin Williams in Moscow on the Hudson. Yeah. Yep. That's an extraordinary performance. It is, it is a, a bit of a comedy movie. But that, I mean, that's a, a very controlled performance. That's before he was at the point where there was just no stopping him if he went loony on the set. Well, but he'd made a bunch of movies where, I mean, um, um, oh, that depressing poetry movie, uh, Dead Poets Society. Yeah, but that was way later. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he, he, could, well, pull, he no, could he could pull it seriously. That's a good point. That one, Goodwill Hunting. Toys. Uh, but 
Mm-hmm. Early on, I mean, Moscow and the Hudson, totally. Yeah, because that was still around the same time as Mork and Mindy. Yeah, so, that, that, so everybody was like, give us more funny, give us more funny. And he's like, I don't want to just do funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was already, I think if I remember, he was already fighting with the Mork and Mindy producers about yeah. the show at that point where he's like, I don't want to just do this mm-hmm. ridiculous, outlandish, alien character. You know, yeah. he was wanting to mm-hmm. kind of do Which other is difficult. things. What the fuck yeah. are you going to do with Fisher more? King. Fisher King's about that. Yeah, well, Fisher oh my King. God. Yeah. That was. Yeah. All right, now I'm getting sad because <laughs> Robin Williams. Yeah. Nah. I will say, though, I would love to see Tom Hanks do more comedy than just SNL stuff. I would love to see him do another funny film that I could just laugh my ass off at. Bachelor Party 2. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like something all like The Money Pit. The Money Pit, I thought, was hilarious. I, I really enjoyed that movie because it's just so... Everything that happens is just ridiculous. It, it, Dragnet. Big. Oh, oh, I love Dragnet. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, so I mean you know, that, that was a Dan Aykroyd vehicle, but right. yeah. Hanks' support was phenomenal. That was that was one of Ber- Vernon and I's bonding moments when I actually knew <laughs> his, his Lieutenant Strebeck, and I'm like, really? Tom Hanks, Lieutenant Strebeck? And he goes, you know Dragnet? Oh, my God. Thank you, gay 80s. Did you say wait, gay, gay wait. 80s? Thank you, 80s. And then, I might have. And, and then we fade to black as the <laughs> music cues in. And I think I missed something there. What was... <laughs> what was the Lieutenant Streetback thing? Or? That's, that's Pep's, his character. Pep Streetback is, is Tom Hanks' character in Dragnet Vernon, 86, the movie. When Vernon would do Starfleet, he called his character Lieutenant, Lieutenant Streetback. That's what I was missing. Okay. So just fucked up because my Vulcan name was Steerbeck. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, the fact that he apparently so many people at Trek did not know that's what he named the character after, mm. and I knew that that was that character. It was he was shocked, and I'm, and then he was like later on he was like, of course anybody at, at Trek could have known it would be you, Jeff. So mm. anyway, that's a true statement. If anybody would have known, it'd be Jeff. Drag- actually, eighty-eight wasn't it? It was eighty-eight. Dragnet right. came out. Yeah. Remember, Dragnet had that awful rap at the end. Yeah, <laughs> with with so Hanks many. and <laughs> you had the right. Do, uh, do you have the right to remain silent? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could do the whole rap. Oh if you my want. God, that Jeff. <laughs> He's like, please, please don't. do. <laughs> you have the floor. Uh, oh, okay. come on, come on. Spit it out. See that Strebeck? We're just in time. Yeah, we have stumbled onto a major crime. They've got the girl all frightened. Well, that's not right. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Yeah, buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But don't you know we really ought to read them their rights? Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights because right now you're in trouble. And I just forgot the le- the next line. Too hot to handle. Too cold to hold. No, they call- no that's not it. God, that was I, an I just impressive totally, performance. I literally just totally it, forgot Jeff. the next line. Yeah, that's all right. That, Dude, was, that was glorious. You remembered uh, 112% more of that than I did. <laughs> Chicks on Shock Monkey's Lair are going to go bananas. Yeah. I am goddamn <laughs> wet. They're not. <laughs> it, it impresses no one. <laughs> Bad white rap for $500. Oh, I was say, <laughs> you don't say nothing at all. Y'all got two calls, and you better make them on the double. There we go. I knew I'd remember it in a second. You'd have gone mad if you hadn't got that one out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would have. Oh, my my OCD was already starting to kick in. I'm like, shit, what's the next yeah, line? What's the next line? He's actually got a sweaty sheen yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I worry about my memory now, goddammit. 
In animated hybrid movie news, Warner Brothers is stepping things up in its... Wait, wait. Is this about electric cars? About electric, electric guitars? Electric cars? Electric, no. Oh. It's the animated hybrid stuff then. Hybrid <laughs> movie. <laughs> wow. He just he just loved the word hybrid and I electric. I know, I know. And he was electric guitars. Tesla, Elon like, Musk. <laughs> Ah, Give Torgo a headache. Oh, too late. <laughs> Warner Brothers is stepping up things in its animation department with a new talent coming aboard to helm two of their big properties. The cat and mouse antics of Tom and Jerry, as well as the teen sleuths of Scooby-Doo. Warner, and Warner Animation Group, a.k.a. WAG, is in negotiations with Tim Story, who's doing the upcoming Shaft reboot, apparently, uh, to helm what Variety calls a new Tom and Jerry live-action animated hybrid. Another Shaft reboot? Right? Bo- bro- broke my brain when I read it. Uh, they've also brought on Chris Columbus to work as creative producer on a new Scooby-Doo animated movie. The two projects are part of a recent push to get more Hanna-Barbera properties out in development. Guess who's probably going to lose the option if they don't? Tom, right. Tom and Jerry will be the first live-action hybrid that they are planning and is set to shoot in 2019. That is a... First of all, that it's hard to stretch that out beyond the shorts. Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, Andy, for some of us... Not when you're looking at dirty Barbie clothes pictures. <laughs> I think what he's trying to say is... Scooby-Doo is definitely a property that was geared more for long form. You can get away with it. That's fine. But I don't know how you're going to do. Tom and Jerry is definitely more of a short form type of comedy. That I mean, I remember when they tried to do the half hour long Tom and Jerry uh, stuff in the 80s, and it just it just was not enjoyable at all. So, I mean, it's, yeah. It's... It's a Roadrunner Coyote doesn't work either. It's just chase cartoons. It's just they get exhausting after a while. Yeah, it's like sometimes it's like you just want him to catch the damn Roadrunner. Well, that and and more to the point, I feel that's sorry. That's the story. That's the story. The chase. Yeah. The, and, and so you have to have eighty minutes of chase. Yeah, you you do eighty minutes of well, we have to put a story in here. Why is Tom chasing Jerry? Why is Jerry? And everything falls apart because it it it's just about the chase. It's yep. not what's underneath it. It's not what's at the end of it. It's not what's at the beginning of it. Nothing. And then, would, and then it, in the eighties, didn't they turn them into friends? Like it was like they were uh-huh. all buddy buddy, yep. and and it it just the format was weird. Yep. Yeah. I would applaud them if the film opens up with just there's the title. And then it does a spot fade open and the chase begins and doesn't stop until its spot fade closes 80 minutes later. That yeah. could be fun. You think maybe that's why, like, say something like the Garfield movie failed? Because there's no Gar- story to Garfield. Yeah. Garfield is a three panel, ha ha, one, one joke. Ha ha. And then it, it's done and over. You and know, it's funnier you know, without Garfield. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. Garfield without Garfield. All right. Is pretty funny. Shock monkey pearl. Pat, get right on that. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah, Remove Jeff- Garfield from the Garfield movies. Yeah, and give Jeff oh, some the music movies, to rap you, you know that exists as a comic strip. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make, now make the movie. That. I do know, Andy. I'm not sure, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if all the Hanna-Barbera, it has to be Hanna-Barbera, 
properties. Well, no, you actually said it right. Apparently, that's how he yeah. pronounced his name was Bar- Barbara. Oh, it's Hannah Barbera. We say Barbera, but yes. No, no, it's Barbera. Hannah Barbera. <sighs> of all those, HBs, um, just Feige. Ask, just ask Kevin Feige. He knows that it's right. Hannah Barbera. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many properties they did in the 70s that you could revive that weren't great, but they'd be interesting revived. Yeah. I mean, you know. Wacky Blue races. Falcon. Great Ape. Blue oh, Falcon. Blue Falcon would be Captain so Caveman. funny. Captain Caveman. You know, Ca- the Cat Mac- and the Gilla Funky Gorilla. Fanta. And Dynamut. <laughs> Kong Kong Fui? Hong, Hong Kong Fui. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that you could resurrect that one. Speed buggy? Speed buggy. Speed buggy. I know. It's like Hong Kong Fui. But this is... What certain- layer of... You, you've got the racism, and then you've got the racism, <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and you wrap it all up in racism. It's okay because the Asian guy's being played by a black guy. Right, what? what the hell? Yeah, this is no. bizarre. And the black guy is just. Oh, I mean, Scatman. Well, you gotta right? love Scatman. He is an icon. Right. But nevertheless, that was yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, the plan for the Tom and Jerry film is to shoot in the real world using animated versions of Tom and Jerry. Another hybrid feature is moving along as well. Wiley Coyote versus Acme. <laughs> oh, Acme. Okay, right. this could be interesting. So they don't have the rights to Roadrunners? <laughs> no, it's like the it's like the legal it's like the trial and then you do a, you can do a clip show with the trial. I think they did do that as a clip show with the trial. Yeah, actually that would be They did do that, right? I think, I think so. I think you're right. I think you're right because I think it was Wiley Coyote was on trial. No, I think he was suing the Acme company. I remember him sitting on the stand and then holding up the the signs as opposed to actually speaking. That's funny. I uh, there's actually somebody wrote a legal deposition where Coyote is suing Acme because of all of their failed products, and so it's a legalese description of how the rocket pack will fail or how he paints a tunnel and the roadrunner runs in it and then he hits the wall it's actually really really funny huh. mm. i always thought it was weird when wiley coyote was going up against bugs and he could talk he was wiley coyote super genius. genius yet in the roadrunner ones he never spoke and he only held up the signs but who is he going to talk to yeah, it's the, the audience, the desert. Break the man. Four, he, he's already breaking the fourth wall by holding up the signs. Yeah, I suppose. Why couldn't he just talk to the audience? Oh, I thought that was yeah. for the rescue copter. Uh, I, I think he works better without the voice. Well, I suppose, but I think he's just uh, a totally different character. Yeah, I think that's it's like his cousin or something. Yeah, or you know, uh, my favorite Scrappy Doo is the dog. God, not Scrappy. Remember when he and the dog, the sheep dog. Yeah, that's my oh. favorite. And they come in, they clock. Ralph, in. they're all morning. Ralph, and, morning. Ralph, yeah, uh, and morning. Sam, 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 and Ralph, Sam and Ralph. So it's a different and, character, basically. Yeah, and and oh yeah, and God, it. Oh man, I fucking. <laughs> I just love how the sheepdog so is just always ready for everything. Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> just like literally, like he's making all these little Wiley Coyote is making these elaborate plans, yep. and he's got it all set up and he's right there, and he's just like. <laughs> he just like stands around the corner waiting, and it's like three, two, one, pow! And he's so there's yeah. three Wiley Coyotes. Yeah, there's Sam Wiley Coyote, super genius, right? And 
Why like Audi? I'm holding up a sign, listeners. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then, what well, did you do? You guys I probably talked about this before. I'm sorry. Um, Animal Man, the Coyote Gospels. You remember that? No. Oh, Tell God. me about huh? the Coyote Gospels from Animal. Man. Um, Animal Man. In, when they revived Animal Man for the first time, I'm not even sure it was actually Vertigo at that point. But they did a weird thing with was it Grant Morrison? I think it was Grant Morrison. Seems like a more where they joke. started boring the edges of uh, of the fourth wall. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, the Coyote Gospel was basically Wild Coyote um, just getting killed over and over, and but then it starts talking to the creator and stuff. Oh, it's amazing. Is this is this is in Animal it's Man? It's in Animal Man. Yes, I, I knew that his run hmm. on Animal Man is supposed supposed to be amazing but yeah. i never heard about this part of it yeah that's it's the coyote gospel was like the, the i think it might have been the first one i read because somebody pointed it out to me but it's huh. it's brilliantly awful because he's, he's getting hit and it's it's you know to the library com- comic book violence as opposed to animated violence huh. well uh another <laughs> another <laughs> hybrid right there? yeah i gotta find my place after the yeah, yeah. Uh, moving out of the hybrid zone, the Scooby-Doo film will be fully animated and is looking to release the first quarter of 2020. Uh, WAG is also getting ready for the Jetsons project, as well as Flintstones and Wacky Races. Okay, Wacky Races, I, I'm behind. So that's uh, that's coming from the animated of Warner Brothers studio. And if they do the Flintstones based on the current comic of the Flintstones. The the less sexist comic. The, the, uh, the one where they're the actually like they're actually tackling modern issues and it's really bizarre. Okay. They're not gonna do that. <sighs> I can tell you right now, that is not they're they're gonna bank on nostalgia. Mm. It's a living. Exactly. They're gonna do Ugh. like they did ones in the nineties, but animated with a little more modern hipness. Legendary stop-motion monster maker Ray Harryhausen's Creature Designs will live again in a new film. The Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation announced in a Facebook post that they have partnered with Morningside Productions, the production company founded by the late Clash of the Titans producer Charles Chenier. The forces, the Force of the Trojans, a new adventure fantasy film that will attempt to recapture the glory of classic Harryhausen films like Clash of the Titans, Jason and the Argonauts, and The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. The film will be based on a screenplay written by Beverly Cross and will use designs in the Harryhausen archives conceived through production art and sculptures by the master himself. Harryhausen's unused designs discovered in the Foundation's 50,000-piece collection of his work will be used in a production process that will incorporate both Harryhausen's traditional style of animation and modern CGI, merging the two forms in an attempt to create a look unlike any other in the the genre. Uh, No other production details are available yet, but uh, yeah, keep an, an eye open for Force of the Trojans. I'm always amazed when they find that undiscovered stuff in the archives just, just like stuff that they didn't know existed until that you have so many pieces yeah that it gets overlooked yeah i mean an interest the they did that with uh there was a guy doing a documentary on apollo 11 and went to the national records and they found undeveloped 70 millimeter film really from 1969 that they shot actually they shot three of the apollo missions but um it was undeveloped so they didn't even know what they had 
even after they developed it and then had to digitize it just so they could see it because most of the equipment they needed they couldn't they didn't have in the archives at that point so it's fascinating i mean it's rich deep colors and the detail is astounding i've seen a couple of clips of this and it's just like they didn't even know they had it until they went looking for you know the same you know the guys is like i don't want the same footage that everybody uses in their documentaries is there any stills dig deep well they were he was just looking for like some still photos and stuff that they had and then they discovered this uh it's technically a 65 millimeter that they printed on 70 millimeter but they found it and they were just like we don't even know what this is wow and yeah it's amazing look through your collections people yeah i've i've found some pictures just recently that i didn't know existed you know <laughs> silly photos of my mom when she was in her 20s doing crazy things like there's one that's a picture it's got the yellow low shoulder like construction sign mm -hmm. and she's wearing a yellow coat so she's dipping her shoulder down next to the sign and i was just like okay that's <laughs> that's totally my mom's personality i have to and you're I your mama's to, boy yeah. yeah i was gonna say that explains a few things <laughs> I'm a weird combination of my mom and my dad's sense of humor. My cousin posted a picture of my mom and her mom and her, their other sister, the three sisters, during World War II, um, dressed as uh, the three branches of military. Apparently, they were like doing USO kind of stuff as like oh. toddlers. Oh, funny! As toddlers? Yeah. Well, four or five. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out this man's age. Oh, I'm okay. just trying to extrapolate right. that. I, I thought you were. I know. I thought you wanted my mom picture story. I was just like, there's a lot of weird pictures of your mom and dad around because they were actors. I'm not convinced he's not a Gallifreyan. He's just regenerated a few times, so he's <laughs> a few times. Man, too many. He's lived, a few, lived a few thousand years, but <laughs> doesn't look a day over. He's got that thousand year stare. There you, you know. go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a title. That's the title, yeah, title right there. <laughs> I'm back, folks. Yeah. And not even vagina maggots this time. You can't do that twice. <laughs> not even vagina maggots this time is a great name for an episode. <laughs> God damn that episode. Uh. <laughs> I still so, have to listen to that. So gross. Oh. <laughs> the world of Rolled Doll is about to find new life on Netflix. Of course. What? Rolled Doll? Mm -hmm. I thought it was the Rolled Doll All Access Channel. <laughs> Wearing Barbie clothes that are sexy. Yes. <laughs> the streaming giant announced that it has launched a collaboration with the Rolled Doll Story Company to adapt and even expand several of the best-selling children's authors' classic tales into animated event series. The new slate of series promises to be a first-of-its-kind endeavor that will both remain true to Doll's creations and grow them into an imaginative story universe, unquote. Our mission, which is purposefully lofty, is for as many children as possible around the world to experience the unique magic and positive message of Roald Dahl's stories. Roald Dahl's widow, Felicity Dahl, said in a statement, No word yet on creative teams for the series, but Netflix has promised to assemble the highest quality animation talent for the series. We also don't know yet which Dahl story will be adapted first, and Netflix will have quite a long list to choose from. According to the official press release, the stories included in the agreement are Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, 
Matilda, the BFG, the Twits, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, George's Marvelous Medicine, Boy, Tales of Childhood, Going Solo, The Enormous Crocodile, The Giraffe and the Pelly and Me, Henry Sugar, Billy and the Minpins, The Magic Finger... <laughs> Dude, it, it, when did it turn into porn? <laughs> Hasn't it always been, though? <laughs> wow. I could never get past the title, The Magic Finger. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> this has to be like a third time I've broken up on the show. And he's not talking about, <laughs> about the bird, ladies and gentlemen. It's not even with us trying to break you. You're breaking yourself. Yes. <laughs> the Magic Finger. SEO Trot. Dirty Beasts and Rhyme Stew. It's all lyric. What the hell? What did that man write? Oh, my God. Magic Finger and the Dirty Beasts. <laughs> That's the cover band for? Sorry. Oh. I, was, I was looking at Felicity Doll's age. She's 80. Because um, that was much more goddamn important in that moment. Sorry. What, 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 was, what was the, the uh, Magic Finger and the Dirty Beast is the cover band for? Uh, meatloaf. I was going to say bad finger, but bad finger is not bad. Yeah. yeah. Or or the or uh, the Eagles with Joe Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> why why do you have to say it that way? The Eagles with Joe Walsh. <laughs> I'm pointing out the dirty beast. Okay. The Eagles. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, dude, I actually peep some. Times people will do that. Mm-hmm. You, you sing a couple Eagles song from that era, and they're like, "Yeah, Joe Walsh." It's just well, it's the Eagles, and, but yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. People love their Walsh. But maybe it's just because he did so many like side projects before officially joining the Eagles, and then did a lot of solo stuff. Yeah, maybe after mm-hmm. that, people just don't know that he was. Pretty close to being part of the band from the beginning. Yeah. Even though he wasn't one of the quote-unquote original members, he came in really close before he... In fact, he was performing with them even before he became an official member of the Eagles. That's right. Which, by the way, there's a fantastic Eagles documentary called The History of the Eagles. It's a two-part, but it's 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 a, almost four hours long, but it's worth a watch. It's broken into two parts, so it's very easy to digest. It's comprehensive, that's for it's sure. It's very comprehensive. Ooh, that's cool. Like a snake. I mean, they even get Don Felder to come in and talk pretty openly about his feelings about the whole breakup and everything. It's, fasc- it's it. very it's fascinating. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I showed it to my dad, and my dad was just like, wow. I've watched the Four Hours Eagle do- documentary, but I've never seen Enemy Mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's your key word, documentary. You'll watch the hell out of a documentary. Enemy Mine is a documentary. It is? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's a documentary about human-alien relations. It's a sequel documentary to Wizards. (laughs) I gotta watch him. Dennis Quaid. Uh. HBO is planning on converting several of Game of Thrones filming locations in Northern Ireland into tourist destinations, according to Variety. The initial report states that HBO is probably going to maintain the standing sets for Winterfell, King's Landing, and Castle Black. Moreover, a studio tour of Linden Mill Studios will include costumes, props, and other detailed production materials from all eight seasons. Quote, HBO is thrilled to celebrate the work of Game of Thrones creative team and crew by preserving these locations and inviting fans to visit Northern Ireland and explore Westeros in person, said Jeff Peters, HBO's VP of Licensing and Retail. 
HBO could uh, open up attractions as early as next year. Quote, while Game of Thrones fans have seen the stunning landscapes, coastlines, and mountains in the series, we are thrilled they'll now have the opportunity to fully experience the charm of Northern Ireland and immerse themselves in the world of Westeros, said John McGrillen, CEO of Tourism and I. Yeah. I can actually get behind that. So um, of course. Yeah, sure. Those sets were just amazing. I mean, I, they're so well detailed, uh, just so fantastic. I mean, and they really made them theatrical. I mean, because they've, since the advent of HDTV, they've really had to step up their game with a lot of set design because I've noticed that with some of my old 80s series that have been upgraded to HD where they go back to the original film cells. And, oh, yes. And then once it's in glorious 1920 by 1080, wow, you start to see some... Some, some of the corners some, that were some, cut. Some, some half-painted edges or... Or, you know, you'll get a close-up, you realize that they didn't put quite as much work into designing a set. You know, you start to see the, the gaps that between the, you know, the fake walls and you see light shining through that you wouldn't normally see on an old 640 by 480 set. The, be- the better the print, the more Doctor Who it looks. Something like that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, that's, I can totally get behind that because that was such an epic production that... Those sets deserve to be. Do you think preserved. they'll film there anymore, or do you think that? Uh, well, they are talking prequels. No, no, I mean, I mean, other productions like. Um, that's I a, imagine they could. That's yeah. a. That's actually an interesting because I, I I know that they do that with certain preserved sets now. Sure. Just allow, some mild allow re- filming, mild redressing, and yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I ran across um, um, cover costs. Boy for Brian was actually filmed on. Some other Jesus movie set. They actually had another. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. I just wondered about that. Yeah, we filmed all that because that looks great. Yeah. Stephen King's 2013 novel Joyland is being adapted for ABC's Freeform, set in North Carolina, circa 1973. Joyland follows Devin, a college student that comes to work at an amusement park and gets caught up in a gripping tale of murder and intrigue. Sorry, Joyland is in Wichita, Kansas, where it was. Uh, no, this is the other Joyland. Yeah. I call shenanigans. Is it in Maine? Um, North Carolina. I, North I Carolina? I it was North, North Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina? The book was published by Hard Case Crime, a publisher that attempts to recapture the magic of classic detective thriller pulp novels from the early to mid-20th century, Uh. complete with that old-school look of block lettering, tattered cover, and yellowing pages. I do remember the cover looking like that. Yeah. Oscar uh, Ostar Productions, who did Valor, is the company behind Joyland's journey to the airwaves, uh, with its own Bill Bill Haber serving as executive producer. Chris Pena from Jane the Virgin and Cyrus Naurastach. Sorry. Did we uh, hit one hour 40? Kramane Kratu S. Who did the stoning of Soraya M. And he shouldn't have. Will write the pilot script as well as produce. Joyland's a great story. If it's, it's one that a lot of Stephen King people miss because it's not like... The next movie book by Stephen King, he did it specifically for this small print crime drama. They seem to have finally gotten Stephen King, right? I mean, they haven't really done a bad Stephen King movie in a while. Well, okay, sorry. I, I now meal into the exception. But yeah. 
Uh, Although the exception actually that wasn't taken from source material, was it? Right. What exception are we talking about? Dark uh, Tower. Dark Tower. Yeah. Oh, Slinger. Oh, that one. Okay. Whichever. Uh, it was based on it. There, there are some beats in there that are recognizable. Well, yeah, and other but, ones that aren't. But it's not a wholesale story no. adapted. So no, yeah, it's, it's so, definitely yeah. inspired by mm-hmm. <laughs> loosely. Yeah. Good. Good point. Yeah, that's the last bad one. Uh, but this but, one, uh, the the story is really kind of cut and dried. It it lends itself to a a movie. When I was reading it, I'm like, this is go- this will be a movie. Someone will make this movie. Yeah, it's going to be a movie starring everybody. And, and me. me. How about you? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check, Dandy. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Mm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, and, if you're if you Stan Fantas King, uh, find Joyland. And happy Christmas to all the Canadians out there. Yes, my goodness. And, uh, enjoy your maple leaf bars. Which have actual maple leaves in mm, them. Yeah. They're kind of folded over like lasagna. They also have maple leaf bars for See, Christmas. I thought it was just... Actually, it was, and they also go to the maple leaf bar to get right, the beer. Exactly. Right. I thought it was just made with the maple sugar in the shape of a maple leaf. It actually has maple leaves in them. No, no. That one actually has little bits of Tim Bits in it. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different creature. Mm. And kind of gross because it's bloody. Mm. You know, I love how we're spending all this time knocking Matt, and he's not even going to hear this ever. That's just... That's the beauty of it. Not not Suits our fault. Him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's that's his fault. Although on a side note, the the Joyland in Wichita, looking back in as an adult, was kind of creepy. Uh, you it was know a what? Creepy, creepy. Uh, Never went. Creepy amusement park. All the footage I've seen, I can uh, yeah. definitely. They had that. They had a wacky shack, didn't they? Yep. They had a wacky shack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, did they have a wacky shack? No wacky shack. Oh. One, one of those places one of those where gravity's supposed to dark run rides. Weird. No, was just a, a dark, dark ride. Dark ride, all right. Which then became the Whack Shack when it closed down, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jacob rush, wrestled the angel. Jacob was the one. He's yeah. going to be the next movie yeah. in the biblical cinematic universe. That's right. Elijah, Elijah Part 2, Jacob. Puts on the funny headgear and the uh, the spandex. And then, like, David one, two, and three. God's a referee, and he's like, "Go, yes." And then, and and they do Greco-Roman style. Heyo, um, Franco Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth. Um, they use sets. They use sets from Jesus of Nazareth in Tunisia. They use wow. certain sets in Tunisia. What Some was of with them, all the filming that was done in Tunisia back then. That was, <clears throat> the, um, oh, is there a prob- reason for that? You probably. Need, you need some good sand, man. Yeah, probably some okay. uh, taxes, and it was the one place in the Middle East that wasn't, you know, fighting and killing and stuff. Pro- probably a good point. Um, uh, th- they did do a lot of their own sets. In fact, uh, the note I read talked about Gilliam and Terry Jones feuding because. Gilliam was doing set design and there was stuff that he was doing that was annoying Terry Jones and they 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 would sort of clash. Oh, I wonder what hmm. kind of annoyances they were. I don't know. But uh Gilliam's talking about the Pontius Pilate's uh castle, fortress, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and he uh something about that design that he was rather proud of and so on and so forth. So, there you go. All right. Zeffirelli
produced by uh, George Harrison. Right. Mm-hmm. Never would have had that movie without yeah. the Beatles. Think. That's true. Yeah. yeah. He put a, he sunk a lot of his own money into it. He made it back. Oh yeah, he made it back. But I was like, I remember. Like, but there was risk. Oh yeah, there was there was oh, high yeah. risk. There was in fact they I know. Could, they couldn't get anybody to fund it. They talk about it in this uh, George Harrison documentary, but it just like he absolutely loved Monty Python and you know was more than willing to take the risk. Put up a lot of his own money. Was able to convince friends of his to also put money into it when no other finance company would back Monty Python, even though they were a a known quantity at that point they had made money with their tv series and so forth but nobody wanted to fund a quote monty python movie and they already did holy grail right yeah they'd already done I, yeah. yeah i think if i remember they'd already done holy grail it's but essentially their third movie because jabberwocky was done too yeah oh i still haven't yeah. seen jabberwocky is it worth not that great no okay. there was a note i read that one of the reasons they went that route was uh i forget which one of them it sounds like something Cleese would say, but I don't know which one of them would, was getting annoyed by the perpetual, what, what, you're doing another movie? What's the next movie? What, what's your next movie going to be? Oh, yeah. And he was like, uh, at one point, he was like, Jesus Christ, lust for glory. Because <laughs> lust for glory apparently was the, uh, the subtitle of Patton in the UK. Oh. Uh, so, so he's like, Jesus Christ, lust for glory. Yeah, it was and probably either Cleese or Chapman. I, or both of them. Yeah, really. Yeah. I guess I I guess I could check. Maybe. I don't know. God, I, uh, I, I reference that whole always look on the bright side of life thing so often. It's not mm-hmm. even funny. It references in my brain when I don't want it to. Yeah. It just I'm, I'm enjoying in these. It's it's that, that infectious whistling. I'm a, and I know you're trying to head it off, Jeff. It's not going to work. This this show is going to end with lap dance is always better when the stripper is crying. You can't try and affect the music like this. We're going to... St- don't what? even know what yeah. you're talking about. Uh-huh. You're try- you, tr- you tried to do it with Flash Gordon. You tried to do it with... That's funny. <laughs> Jones... Big, I know you too well. I, what What's the point of me trying? Because you always get in your head what you want to do, and you do it that way. So I know, but you, you, you're trying. So No, I actually wasn't so trying. We're, so we're ending it with... Laugh dance is always better when the stripper's crying. All right, fair enough. Yeah, the podcast is better when the Canadian's crying. Yes.